As an avid hip-hop fan, I remember how important the Source Awards were, how important it was to win an award and give a speech and let the whole world know that you had something to say. And I remember Outkast winning the award that year. I believe it was at the Source Awards. And Andre 3000 grabs the mic and he says, the South has something to say. See, back then, if you weren't from New York, it almost didn't matter. And then by then, you know, the West Coast had built their world up. So it was either you from the East, you're from New York, or you're from California. And as far as hip hop is concerned, right? And so for many years, people that were located in the Southern region of the United States who were also um, musicians and artists, they weren't seen as having intellectually sound music. We all knew that was a myth, but it just was the stigma that was associated with the South. And I always kept that in the back of my mind. And as I traveled through my journey and uh, went through the world of business and investing and met all these different people, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I was starting to notice something on a global scale. And then recently, maybe within the last three years, I started seeing, oh, this is a situation where half the world has the wealth and the other half doesn't have all the wealth. Uh, At least that's what they teach us, right? And then I came across this concept called the global north and the global south. And I said, wait, what is this? And it was a big aha moment. Now, there are some people out there that don't, they don't like that term. They, they want the term to be something else. And I'm not really here to argue over that ideology of what term we should use. But I will say, once I understood the global north and the global south through a map, because I'm a map kind of guy. Once I understood it through a map, it made all the sense in the world. And so for us, we're going to talk to you with the perspective of global north and global south. And you may hear it spoken in different ways as you do your own independent research. But I think what you're going to find on this episode is the global south has something to say. I'm DJ Motri of Black Equity Network, and welcome to Black Equity Podcast. For another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I'm really excited about this conversation. I've been wanting to have a conversation around the Global South uh, topic for quite some time. And I'm actually joined by someone who understands the topic very well. Uh, Vance Whitfield is here on Black Equity. Welcome, Vance. How are you doing? Oh, well, sir. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. For those who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization. So, uh, 
Again, my name is Vance Whitfield, um, founder and partner at Global South X South or South by South uh, Consulting. We're registered based here in DC. Um, and our, we are a boutique consulting firm with the focus of providing uh, advisory, uh, sorry, investment and in, in trade advisory services to clients such as uh, private investors, uh, SMEs, startups, also bilateral donors, multilateral government agency donors who are, who are investing and in doing projects in, in global South markets. But our focus is really to leverage more of the private sector uh, funding and lens on, you know, on how to reach sustainable uh, development goals um, while also economic growth and, and, and also creating more ownership for those stakeholders in, in these countries versus, you know, being kind of adhering to old or archaic um, and really unsustainable models that, you know, that were, have been imposed by the global North, mm. you know, for, so, you know, I came out of that industry. Uh, really my career has been in global development international development, you know, people may say it different ways or foreign assistance, you know, different for different people, for the audiences who may be new to the, to the field, but really, you know, managing projects and, and implementing projects in these countries, you know, on the health side or education side or economic growth, you know, uh, my background in particular started in the Peace Corps. I was, you know, I served two years in the U.S. State Department, the Peace Corps volunteer, where, yeah, for two, two years, you know, I, I just was really had a hunger for it to, to live abroad after undergrad and, and um, yeah, and so I spent two years in, in El Salvador, Central America in a rural community, a rural agricultural community. So um, that's kind of, yeah, the start of my, my career uh, per se. And, but really it started, started before that, but I'll just stop there and kind of that's, that's my background. And that's, you know, I, I affirm, you know, going back to what we do, what we're doing now, a business partner and I, we wanted to offer you know, offer these services, offer these um, services to clients, you know, to different types of clients, uh, kind of similar to what, again, my background was, similar to what he was doing. My my partner, he's, a, he's an entrepreneur, um, but also, you know, so we wanted to kind of merge our backgrounds, but we wanted to to offer it, package it as a service and, and really, you know, kind of stay niche, stay boutique, and but to really, to be able to be agile and, and kind of reach the, um, you know, affect the change that we wanted to, you know, to see from, from the, from our lens of doing things. And, and, you know, as two black founders from the black equity lens. So great conversation, great, you know, happy to help, hopefully to have a great conversation about, you know, learning more about kind of what you've been doing, but also sharing how, what we've been doing, what really my start, where I started uh, even before kind of as a kid, you know, I was kind of attracted to, uh, you know, international markets and, you know, picking up different languages and just really was um, groomed, that groomed, I would say, at, at a young age, they have a global vision. Mm, I love this. I love this. I, I think this is going to be a, re a really fruitful uh, conversation. I want to start things off because I definitely want to learn about the services. I want to learn about uh, your origin of how you uh, start even thinking about this. But I, I want to make sure that the listener has maybe a primer into this because about two years ago, maybe three, I just started even hearing about the concept of the global South. That doesn't mean it wasn't there prior to me hearing it, but there may be some people who don't even know what it means. So if, if you could help break down what is a global South, what is a global North and how do we all play a part in that? Well, you know, DJ, wonderful question. And, and 
wonderful observation, really. It's, it's um, so the term, you know, I started hearing about it. And again, I've been in the field for, for you know, 16 years, you know, 16 years of experience kind of working in these markets. But I kind of started hearing about it about five years ago. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not a new term, but, you know, I think before that, I may have kind of said, you know, I may have just called out by the region, you know, Latin America or the Caribbean or, or Sub-Saharan Africa or Africa or the Middle East. But, but really the global South, it kind of has two, kind of, two connotations. So, you know, from the, like the strictly geographic is like, okay, below the equator, like that's the, that's the South, you know, the, the Southern hemisphere, if you will. But also it has like, a, it has more also in, in, in economic um, classification, if you will, uh, by the global south, so the global south markets are really referred to as those countries that may be in still in in, in you know uh, developing you know may not be fully developed um, as such as countries in the in the northern hemisphere such as Europe or or North America or Canada, um, but but more more specific to what our focus is with our firm and, and the change we're trying to affect and the stakeholders we're trying to work with and the value we're trying to add. You know, to a startups and SMEs, and with you know larger communities within these markets, is is really is, is to empower the global south to to kind of bring them on, on equal or bring bring them on on equitable terms with the global north. Because you know I mentioned archaic frameworks before. I mean, the whole notion of foreign assistance says that that these nations need our 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 help. You know, the same nations that were colonized where this transatlantic slave trade, you know, devastated, you know, now they, they need uh, assistance from the global north, which, you know, which is kind of, again, me being in that industry, me, a black American, was like, I see that there, there was a, I always struggle with that, you know, very, very uh, duplicitous because, because it's like, I'm, I'm a product of the African diaspora of the transatlantic slave trade here in the U.S., but now I'm engaging with, with, uh, with other, you know, black and brown people from, the, from these markets and you know I, I, I just I see it there were a lot of tangible connections so yeah so the global just quickly answer you know I think that answers the question is that mm-hmm. one just think economically but think and also culturally but think economically and then geographically but I think more so as far as like where the global south needs to go or or them having more uh, autonomy to where they don't need foreign assistance programs from you know Europe or UK or or Australia, even for the Asian countries, you know, they they can be, and I like to say, you know, the the drivers of their own destiny, mm. um, by 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 having by being economically sustainable, by by um you know having having the infrastructure, having the education, having the um, you know, having job, having the workforce development, and really from from the at a higher level, from the uh, starts with the uh, diplomacy, and that that's really what I my passion was when I was a kid, you know. Like I was, my mission was to be an ambassador when I was a kid. So, you know, my mom was a French teacher here in DC public school. So she always really groomed me for, for, you know, for getting outside of DC, getting outside of the US and just looking at the, looking at, uh, at the world really as, as your, as your playground. And, and that was huge for, for African-Americans and it still is, you know, there's a, in the US foreign service with state department, there's, I mean, I don't know that I don't have the data offhand, but, but there's a smaller percentage of, Black and brown, uh, uh, you know, people serving in the foreign service and Peace Corps. There was a small percentage. Like I was in, a, in El Salvador, uh, I was maybe one of three black males in country, and there were like, and out of a program of probably sixty, 
60 people, 60 volunteers scattered across El Salvador. There were maybe like five black people. So mm. five black Americans. So yeah, this, it's, that's really the, you know, the lens that, that the Global South uh, comes in and what it, what it means for me. This is going to be an awesome conversation. I can already tell. I do want to go with that origin story you talked about earlier uh, in this episode uh, about being a kid and having this global perspective. Tell me a little bit about your first introduction or early on to having this global mindset and how it led to where you are today, uh, working, like you said, diplomacy with the global South. I would say it really started with, um, it started started with my mom. You know, she she has a French teacher and a student growing up in D.C. in the 60s. You know, she went to France and had to study abroad experiences and, and that kind of led her to her to her, her career. So she always encouraged us to, to to study, you know, to pursue different languages. So I focus on Spanish and, and it just so happens that in elementary school, my best friend was, was a Honduran. And his mom was from Honduras and so I was able to, so going to his house after school and, you know, hearing the Spanish spoken and, you know, getting the different meals and the culture and the music, that really, that was, that was where I think my, my portals were first open to, to, to the other, to, um, you know, just the, the importance and, and really like the survival, uh, surviving, living, uh, going outside of yourself and, and embracing and engaging with other other cultures and languages and on, on you know, understanding that their terms, not, not what, you know, not what you hear in the media, but really having those, those one-on-one relationships. So I think that's when I first really got bitten by the bug. I didn't know, you know, about the global South back, back then for me, again, they were just countries, they were regions, but I, you know, I knew that I knew the languages that were spoken, you know, and, you know, I knew, you know, some of like the demographic and, and the racial makeup of these countries and, and I was like, wow, this is this is similar to the U.S. kind of as you mentioned, but but they they have their own story. So, yeah, I, having that friendship, you know, led me to be able to go after sixth grade uh, graduation. My mom sent me with them um, for like seven weeks in in Honduras. So for a twelve year old, that was huge. You know, that was when you know I really my eyes were open to wow, to just how big of a world there was outside of the U.S. and and again, you know, to a, a poorer, smaller country like. Uh, like Honduras, that's really not on the radar of many Americans. Like it was cool just to, you know, to see this. My eyes be open to to just uh, a new way of life and, and people living life just in a different way. You know, not nothing greater or worse than it, but it's just different. So that was my probably my first introduction, and from there I just, you know, the different seeds were were planted and watered. And you know, in uh, undergrad, I chose international relations as as my is my major in Spanish minor. So that, you know, it just kind of was, it's like a step upon step, you know, just a uh, trajectory to kind of where, where I started off. And then, you know, I was able to study abroad in, in college. And again, you know, these are things that they were all encouraged by, by, by my parents. So I think it really, really should start while, while we're all young, you know, mm. to, to be exposed to, to the, these options out here and just how diverse and rich, um, you know, all, all parts of the world are. But for me, I was always attracted to the to the tropical climate, to the music, um, you know, to the to the language in, in Latin America first. And then as I'll, I'll kind of get into it later, then it uh, recent experiences kind of led me to to Sub-Saharan Africa 
And then once I got there, it was like, wow, it, it was a wrap. It was, I saw, I saw the parallels between yeah. Latin America, you know, same infrastructure challenges, healthcare, you know, economic uh, development. So that, you know, that's kind of what I really use as a foundation to, to launch, you know, our, our brand really like, you know, the name in South by South, Global South by South, because it's like, you know, leveraging uh, useful models and approaches to these same challenges, but then how, how can we replicate that into other markets or regions within the same, you know, global South region for, for, for sustainable development? I love that. If I'm an investor and I'm listening to this episode, I'm currently Googling uh, Global South and I'm probably pulling up a map and I'm looking and I'm seeing, oh, 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 wow. So South America is going to be there. Um, Africa is going to be there. Some argue that Eastern Europe is in the Global South, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, So if I'm an investor, how do I know where to begin when it comes to, okay, well, I want to get in on this too. I want to be able to invest in the global South. I, I didn't even realize this was an opportunity until I heard this episode. So Vance, where does an investor begin in their journey uh, to figure out what's the best uh, location for them to uh, invest in? Uh, man, you have, you have all the good questions, DJ, all the, all the good questions. This is, this is actually a common question. So I mean, as far as like investment goes or trade, uh, we actually, our firm, uh, co-hosted a co-led a seminar um, webinar last spring with another firm, um, VentureLift Africa, who's based in Kenya. An African American brother started, you know, an advisory firm in Kenya, um, and we kind of partnered together uh, to work with uh, professional clusters here in the U.S. Uh, Black American uh, clusters within the uh, the U.S. Black Chambers. It's a well-known uh, chambers, kind of maybe one of the leading chambers. Uh, for you know for promoting black businesses uh smes right and also the national urban league they have a young professionals program so and i'm saying that saying this to say they uh, we our seminar was was structured in that we we answer some of these questions like we we i think it starts with education so like if you're curious with with uh with the global south or, or even for many maybe more directly uh connected or maybe of a uh, greater interest maybe for some African Americans is sub you know sub-Saharan Africa, where where many of you know where, uh, genealogically where where our ancestors come from. So I think it's about having a you know having some sort of understanding of the geography, and then you know what are the culture maybe there's some there's cultural ties. So we you know in this seminar we we first educated on about about the opportunities about you know a light touch on some of the the. Uh, what is the need? You know, there's a huge need. A lot of countries, uh, Ghana, two years ago, I think 2019, they they had the uh, the year of the return, celebrating commemorating 400 years um, uh, that that the first African Americans, you know, came to to North America to the U.S. And so there, it was a marketing, but yet a a diplomatic pull to African Americans to return to return to the continent, but through through Ghana as the gateway. So I think it's, it's about finding what you like as an investor, um, maybe even become a, a, a cultural investor, a cultural connoisseur first, you know, to kind of, because it's such a broad region, you know, you have, if you're focusing on Africa, you have different regions. If you're focusing on, 
Latin America, the, the Caribbean, you know, you have Central America. Um, it's, it's like finding, but maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you come from the diaspora from one of, from, from, the, from Jamaica, right? So maybe there's a, there may be a, an easy gateway or natural pension to look at opportunities, you know, back in Jamaica, or maybe, you know, different, uh, different countries, different, different countries of origin in these regions. So that, that could be a first start is, you know, do you have any familial ties to, uh, or have you, you know, had you done DNA tracing, you know, which African country or region you know, are your peoples from? So that may, you know, some people go off of that to start exploring, okay. And then, yeah, I think I would say just doing the research, you know, researching what, what sectors you, you wanna look in, um, you know, what, what are the products you may wanna invest in, what are the types of business, what are the business models, you know, what, what's the return on investment, you know, may, one may see, see these markets as being more, more risky than say investing here in, in, in the US or in Europe. So definitely it's important to, you know, look, look at all these different factors, you know, how long, you know, how long it take, will it take for you to make your exit or, you know, what's your, what's your appetite for risk? So those are some initial uh, questions that we asked, that we posed in the seminar last year with, with these kind of for also similarly first time investors or uh, first, first time, uh, I guess, being introduced to the Global South opportunities for the first time. So yes, that, you know, that's a short list of things you can do. Uh, culture, you know, is, are there language affinities or um, is there natural business? Like whatever business you are in, you know, now, is there, like, if you're in real estate, do you want to just, that that would be an easy parlay over to real estate, you know, in, in Ghana or in Kenya. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of different options, but those are some that I would recommend to start with. I appreciate that. Uh, so for me, I have an interest in so many different areas. Uh, what I was looking at was the economic freedom. There's an economic freedom chart. And I forget who actually put the chart together, but it talks about the, it basically ranks all the countries and lets you know which countries that if you were doing business in, would you have the highest probability of being economically free, meaning that you could own your assets outright without the government taking over them and that you would be able to uh, freely move about economically within uh, that particular region or that particular uh, country. And so for me, uh, I've had a, a strong interest in South America, mainly because it's directly um, you know, beneath uh, North America, being able to get, to, get there um, easily or more easily. Uh, Africa as well, I've looked at Rwanda, South Africa, uh, as some possible location. Uh, also, uh, I may not pronounce it correctly, but Ma Mauritius uh, in uh, Africa as well. And I'm, I'm naming these just so, so people that are listening can say, okay, let me, start, let me start looking into some of these. Chile in South America as well is ranked pretty high on the economic uh, freedom side. Um, mm. What is your advice to someone who, similar to me, I may not necessarily have the greatest real estate background. My background is more in business acquisitions, and I'm looking for uh, companies that need a successor, right? Uh, maybe they do not have someone to pass down the business to, and they're looking to put it in safe hands. Uh, is there any advice to that type of investor, such as myself, 
who is looking into some of these different countries and wanting to connect with these business owners? How do we find them? How do we reach them? And then how do we do business with them? Sure. Well, I think, I think you know, given, given we have many things at the, at the tip of our fingers on, on the internet, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of, for someone who hasn't, you know, I've, I've had the blessing to, you know, to work on, on a project, you know, on the USG funded project that took me to like seven different Sub-Saharan African countries and, you know, uh, Ecuador on another project, Ecuador and in, in, in Peru. But if you don't have that opportunity, just, you know, if you don't have a baseline understanding, as you're mentioning, then I think, I think doing research, you know, what, what is the most of doing business score, what is the, you know, there, there's certain uh, uh, scores that, as you mentioned, like the um, most startup friendly country, if you wanted to, to start up something. Um, so I think I think that's doing your desktop research, and then you know just finding out which which are the markets that that are most conducive, that are most open, that you know they has the best uh, incentives. There are a lot of different countries that have different different incentives. Like I know Chile, you know that's one of the leading startup uh, in Santiago, one of the, like the the leading startup hubs for or, or innovation innovation hub similar to similar uh, Silicon Valley, but for South America. Mm -hmm. But I think you know just Again, I think I think I would go by sector. You know, what, what sector do you have, or are you looking to get into? And then, you know, you know what what types of deals? Like you mentioned M&A, what types of deals are you looking to to um, to engage? And then I think using resources. I think also it's important beyond just desktop research. You got to go to the countries. Um, you know, with with borders starting to, to reopen. You know, with the pandemic seeming seemingly um, the end in sight. I think. You just have to, you have to go to the country if you haven't have an opportunity to to go there mm -hmm. for other reasons. You got to do you know once you do your research and you know then connect with some of the chambers in the country. You know, um, the U.S. State Department. You know, or or the different trade organizations, U.S. government trade organizations. They have a lot of helpful resources on like where to go. You know, when in country where to go to be able to you know to talk to the business leaders. Uh, maybe represent the uh, U.S. government there, but like you know the economic or the, the consulate, right? The, the economic division mm -hmm. of the U.S. consulate in Chile would give you information on on where to access uh, information about local businesses or or what the business climate is. So I think yeah, definitely you got to you got to put boots on the ground. Uh, ultimately, if you're going to invest in a country or in a business in a country, um, th then you need to really know the lay of the land. You, you need to do a lot of research on. And, and a lot of um, meet, meeting with a lot of local and also uh, expats. Expats are a huge, uh, huge, huge references for, for Americans who are wanting to travel and do business in countries, you know, or even own, own property, own land. I know there's like a lot of YouTube videos now that expats who are in these countries where they just tell you for, for an American or there's a lot of curated for black Americans. If you're a black mm -hmm. American going to Chile or Ghana, this is what you're going to come across and be, or if you want to do X, Y, Z, these are the people. This, you know, these are the resources you have at your at your disposal. So definitely, definitely would would advise on going and getting getting plugged in, getting plugged into resources online, but also in person. Yeah, I actually just attended an expat uh, seminar. It was awesome to just. They weren't necessarily focused on the global south. They were just focused everywhere. You know, specifically for. Black Americans and knowing where the best place 
to go. Um, one that popped up, I guess it wouldn't be uh, Global South, is uh, Portugal. They really love Portugal as a place for uh, expats uh, to, to go. Uh, Kenya was mentioned uh, as a really great place as well. South Korea was mentioned. Um, just for those who um, want to know some of the top places. And I agree. I, I, I believe uh, as a kid that grew up in Hawaii, it wasn't technically an expat <laughs> uh, type situation, but it definitely was of a different culture. And especially when you talk to the originals on from the island and getting to know them, it really prepared me as well uh, to kind of go anywhere and get to know anyone and realize that not every place is necessarily going to be the same as uh, how I think or how I view the world and being okay with different perspectives and going there not to teach them something, but also be willing to be taught and to learn as well. I think those are very, very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to add something because I think this could be a little controversial uh, topic. Someone like you and I, when we're potentially investing in the global South, I think there's a question out there is, are we really doing good by going in there and uh, let's say acquiring a company or majority stake in a company and it no longer is owned by somebody who originally is from that place? What do you say to someone who says, Hey, why are you, you know, coming into our country? Why are you taking over our companies? And how is that of any true benefit? And how is that actually going to uh, overall uh, help the global South or even that specific country in any way? Mm, wow, it's deep. It's deep. <laughs> you know, I've, I've come across that. I've come across that in process that one, you know, throughout my career in global development, because it's the same mm-hmm. thing. All those net. You know, we were managing projects for foreign assistance, but it's like, okay, why are you here? You know, are you a spy? Are you CIA? When I was in El Salvador, I was, you know, two years. And these are countries, you know, the former, like, banana republics that that were, that were very suspicious of U.S. involvement, you know, in, in the country. So there's, it, there's always a lot of suspicion about um, motives of, of an American, whether it's, whether, whether, it's uh, whether it's doing, like, NGO kind of nonprofit work. You know, can, mm-hmm. it can be benign as that, or up to owning a business or investing in business. So I think that I think that's a natural uh, concern, or, or something anyone, even if you're not American, would, would come at, come against if you're just going to another country to to do something like own a business. So I think part of that's coming. It's it's um it's par for the course. You know, it comes with the territory. But but yeah, I think as as um, there is a I would say a responsibility and a in a and accountability of knowing, knowing the context uh, of the history of the global South, like knowing, knowing the, the, the history of, again, of colonialism, of U.S. involvement in these countries, of, of racism, you know, of, of, of uh, racism, uh, white, white racism towards, you know, different groups, you know, uh, whether it be from the Spaniards who came over to South America or, or Latin America, or the Portuguese in Brazil, like knowing that that's very, I think that's very important. So knowing the context, um, would I think enable you to be prepared to answer, to be you know well sensitized, right, and prepared. So I think understanding that 
um, just the history of, of, of them feeling like other countries are, are, are interfering and taking and extracting resources, um, you, know, you know, leveraging resources, their, their, their labor. So I think you have to, depending on what sector you're looking to, you have to be, you have to be, you have to be a student of the global south and of the history, mm. if you will, um, to to have that respect. I think that's one of the things that our firm, you know, and I've really prided prided myself on is just developing a respect for the other, for for these countries, and like really uh, where they are economically. It's it's not it's not going to be the same place that is, you know, they're not going to be in the same economic. Uh, a trajectory as say the US or Canada, right? Or, or the Europe, European countries. So I think you have to be sensitive, sensitive to that and really, um, you know, I would say, you know, uh, reflect on your motives yourself before you, like what you, you should ask yourself, what is my motive? Is it to, to extract value or is it to, you know, just own something in this country? Or is it like, do I really want to promote equity knowing that there's been a history of, uh, unequity of 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 um, oppression or or discrimination, right? Racism, mm-hmm. um, and especially us as black black Americans, I feel like that that fits. It should fit us more naturally to be sensitive, since you know we have a history of that here in the U.S. So it's like, why go to another country and then be uh, uh, exploitive to someone who may have the may have the same hue as you, right? Mm. But but just like maybe the economic. Uh, access you may have had to you know capital markets or credit markets here in the US is different than what an Afro Brazilian may have had. So yeah I think just in embarking on that venture, that that project or whatever, even not even not uh, even nonprofit you want to start, I think it's having a, a mutual respect and understanding of, of of where they are and you know where they started and how can you grow together. Like that's all that's one of our main drivers of our firm is working, you know, is empowering stakeholders, you know, startups and SMEs to, to want to get access to funding, to investment that they can't get in their country, um, but also, you know, creating creating more uh, natural linkages between between the diaspora. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of things uh, with our firm, kind of developing on the beginner side of uh, on the early side of trade models, bi-directional trade models with African American investors. Um, and wholesale buyers and, 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 and retailers here in the U.S. with Afro-Brazilian uh, uh, um, uh, sellers, like suppliers of different goods from the consumer goods and, and, and agribusiness. So we're doing, you know, pilot models with with uh, with uh, accelerators in these countries to to be able to create more natural synergies between people, you know, again who have who share a similar background. So I think just understanding those linkages and okay, and where where can I be a, uh, an, an ambassador, you know, I think we should all be ambassadors, no matter what you're doing, we should, you should be an ambassador. You know, you mentioned uh, earlier about your firm, and I want to kind of dive in a little bit. What, what are the services that your firm provides? Because I know someone is listening to this, and they've been waiting for this episode. And so they're glad that, you, that you're, you're here and you're, you're speaking with us, and more than likely, they want to work with you. So what are some of the services that uh, that you provide that our audience could potentially uh, partner or collaborate with you on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we, so again, our focus, as I mentioned, is investment and trade advisory. So what that means is um, 
advising clients, whether they be in the global north, um, who's looking to do business, who's looking for market entry opportunities. Um, like we're working, talking with, with a real estate analytics firm and they have a product and an analytics firm that can help track, you know, a consumer or uh, pedestrian traffic in kind of up and coming areas in across the global south. I mean, they're, they're, used, they're already being used in the US, but they want to get into the global south market. So with our connections, us knowing, you know, a lot of different players in these countries, you know, they want us to help market that 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 product in country for for you know for acquisition or for uptake for for um, use by local officials by, by private sector so i think yeah so um investment uh market entry services trade advisory so you know again looking at different trade opportunities there's there's a lot of countries again who want to trade you know invest but also trade their goods in these countries and vice versa so we we specialize in bi-directional trade advisory there's um, you know, we're working with, talking with um, uh, Congo, DRC, uh, a mm -hmm. coffee company, you know, who, who's looking to raise capital. They have a, uh, a model that is, you know, as we know, DRC is, is a war-torn country, but they have a model that's working with smallholder farmers, you know, in coffee-grown regions mm -hmm. to help, so to, uh, to get them uh, better, better pay for their work, but then but then they are exporting or trading into the U.S. and Europe. So, you know, there's a possible opportunity there for us to help them identify, you know, maybe uh, different coffee coffee markets here or coffee shops here in the U.S. where they can carry their, carry their coffee. So, you know, advising on different trade opportunities, market opportunities, and 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 also uh, implementation assistance. So. Similar to, similar to what I mentioned, I mentioned that we are a hybrid firm. We also provide, uh, we also consult with government, with the U.S. government, so USAID, um, different USG organizations who are doing investment in trade. Um, also like World Bank, uh, multilateral development banks, Inter-American Development Bank, African Development Bank. So we're, we're executing those types of projects as well, which is your typical, is more like your typical kind of you know, foreign assistance or, or, or public sector funding for, for, for projects, you know, five-year project, whatever, um, to come, come to a certain result. So we, we also, we execute those services as well, but maybe for the audiences today, I think, again, the, the high net worth individual who, who has money to, that, you know, that they want to invest in these markets, then, but they don't know, they don't have a, uh, they don't have a baseline for the Global South or what's the best sector, then, you know, we, we are walking them through a tailored plan for them to start investing, or if they want to acquire ownership in, a, in an ongoing and a strong company that, that they want to help get to the next level, then we have, we have deals such as those as well. You know, we are working with, a, in Ghana, a, a renewable uh, energy, a solar company, you know, who's looking, who's raising funding. They're raising, you know, they're looking for uh, angel investors. So we are currently like sourcing investors either vc firms or or angel investors uh, to invest in, to invest in them so, so that they can scale um and it, so they can meet their uh demand in country for the, for their solar products so these these are services that, that we provide vance a lot of these are some uh some opportunities that you and i probably need to be uh going over because everything you're talking about is right up my alley 
Um, so yeah, we're we're right on the same page. So let me ask this. When someone acquires a company or acquires a stake in the company as a stakeholder, what are some um, some things you could say uh, to them as far as, well, now that you have something that is located in the global South, these are some initiatives you may want to consider to make sure that you're actually improving uh, what we're saying that we want to improve in the global South. Uh, so when I bring that up, what comes to mind of, okay, you've, you've acquired something, you have something in one of these countries, Ghana, Chile, Brazil, South Africa, you got it now. You know, a lot of times we get to the finish line or we get to that thing and think it's the finish line, but no, you're kind of just starting, right? And so now that you have something in your portfolio uh, that is within the global South, well, what do you do now? And so I'm curious what you have to say to someone who's a, who has acquired something in the global South, has an asset in the global South, whether it be real estate, what should they be paying attention to to make sure that they're actually doing what they said that they were going to do? And when I, when I say that, I mean improving and closing the gap of the global South and the global North. Sorry, yeah, I think... I think just being, I think once you have made that acquisition or you, you have that position in that company or equity, whatever, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, or you're managing it, you know, from the M&A standpoint, you, you, you've taken it over. Then I, I think, I think, um, I think for like from their, from their strategic side, you know, looking to see how do I manage this or how to, as a stakeholder, shareholder, how do I, how do I use my voice, right, to make, um, to, to propel or to, to inform certain uh, decisions that can be made that can help make that company, you know, stronger economically, but also, you know, op- open up the you as say someone from your, your background, you know, maybe specialty in North America. And, and you see, you know, you may see certain best practices that have worked for you and, you know, across your, your portfolio, but you see that this, this company, you know, that you're in, not, not that you try to make it like these other companies, but but I think factoring in what the what the needs are and what the what the climate is, then you know I, I think you have the responsibility to advise that or you know mm. provide uh, to advise the the other owners or or the you know the operations to ensure that you know you're you're being um, you know you are promoting equity. You know you're you are using you know nano that I'm speaking. I think using local content or local staff, local um, local resources and adding value in country is so huge, DJ, that's huge. So if you are, if you're leading a company, um, like, okay, just for, for example, we are talking with some, with some Afro Costa Ricans along the mm-hmm. Caribbean coast, which is where they're, they're uh, mainly uh, uh, localized around in the Caribbean coast. And they have, you know, they're sitting on a lot of land, but mechanization is 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 lacking right mechanization so the same mechanization bottling plants um i mean canneries just any anything that is not really sexy but something that we we have here you know you don't think twice about bottling you know but it's just we know these things are 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 existing but how can you not just not so in your ownership of that country and your management you should be looking to one create jobs you know using local talent um create jobs and then and then using those resources or 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 
you know, developing that workforce in a way that's not exploitative, but it's, you know, paying them fair wages or, or, or adding value training, right? Um, so, it, you know, it's like from the, from the mechanization standpoint, there's a lot of, again, produce along this part of, of Costa Rica that needs mechanization, you know, they need cold storage, they need um, supply chain infrastructure so that value can be added to that product in country versus just it being shipped, uh, you know, to, to Europe or to, to the U.S. where value is added there, right? Like uh, cacao or cocoa. Mm -hmm. it's, a huge, it's a huge issue with Ghana, right? So it's, it's um, instead of shipping it to, to, to Switzerland or to the U.S., to, to Nestle, the value, more value can be added in country. And that, that value added in country just helps to buoy the economy. You know, prices, prices can go up and, and then, you know, wages get higher when you're paying them you know, you, you're able, you're able to develop more skilled labor. So I think making sure that you're developing, contributing to cycles of skilled labor, um, workforce, workforce development, and um, yeah, skill, skills acquisition, I think that's huge. I think that's, I think that's a lack in, the, in a lot of those countries. And again, and then also sustainability, sustainability. How can you be a part of a trend or a force that will make that company and its surrounding a community is sustainable, right? From, I mean, what I mean is sustainable, I mean, economically viable. So, so mm -hmm. that, you know, they don't need to go through another M&A down the road. No, they can be, you know, managed efficiently by you and the other stakeholders or shareholders, but, but they, they, they be sustainable. They can, you know, they, now they have access to, to more equity. They, they can do more, but from the, from the eco uh, geologist or from the, from the eco side, the ecosystem side is being mindful of of the impact on the ecosystems, you know, on the natural ecosystems, which is, you know, we're all talking about that now, right? You know, using more eco-friendly packaging ingredients. So I think knowing, you know, knowing be sense, being sensitive to that, mm -hmm. um, but also not not using that imposing like these 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 laws and policies that are broken in Paris, you know, Paris climate and all these things, but that the global south they they're maybe decades behind on getting up to certain standards, you know, whereas they, they will take time to, to get to these standards. And we have to be mindful of that. Man, you, you're dropping a lot of gems on us and really opening our mind to what happens after the deal. And I think that's always important because I think a lot of times it's get, you know, get this opportunity, get this opportunity. It's like, yeah, but what you going to do with it? right you got the opportunity i'm handing it to you not handing it but you get the opportunity now how are you going to manage that how are you going to be a good steward and so the the points that you just gave us especially the local talent and developing the area around you i mean it, it, and so i wonder why i'm just thinking out loud here you don't have mm -hmm. to answer i'm just i wonder sometimes you know people get these opportunities and then they don't necessarily invest in the area around it because you can really change a whole city or a whole town if you, uh, you know, you know, go to the city, invest in the area, get to know the people. And invest in the area doesn't necessarily just mean money. Taking the time to actually get to know people and build relationships could alter an entire ecosystem in that area. And so I, I just I throw that out there for those who are listening who uh, have an interest in this. The, the work begins at the acquisition. It doesn't end. 
Uh, so I'll just throw that there. So what are your, uh, Vance, what are your final thoughts? I know we have to go soon. What are your final thoughts for those who are about to enter into the global South one way or another, whether it be through uh, full acquisition, uh, being a stakeholder, or like you said, just starting to visit these countries and getting out there and maybe even becoming an expat before they make their decision of where they want to invest. What are some final thoughts uh, that you have for our listeners? And then how can people reach out to connect with you? Sure. So yeah, I've enjoyed this talk. It's been so, you know, so enriching to be able to kind of talk with, you know, audiences, your audiences and you just who are coming onto the same wavelength. But I think final thoughts are be, be curious, you know, be curious. Unfortunately, many, many, many Americans and across, again, across all demographics here in the U.S., many of us are, we're so insulated because we're such a global superpower that we think everything revolves around us. So I, I think travel, study, you know, watch films, watch, watch the news in these countries, watch, you know, learn about the, learn about the, uh, the global South, like learn about the history. You got to know the history. Like you got, you have to know, you know, how colonialism impacted um, these different countries, how, how the transatlantic slave trade uh, under colonial rule in, in Brazil impacted Afro-Brazilians, you know, uh, more so in different ways than it did, you know, someone from the Caribbean or, or Cuba or, or the US. So I think, you know, researching and maybe drawing some parallels. I think it's cool. I've always been, I've always loved just drawing parallels like me as an African-American, you know, uh, I was always attracted to, to these countries in the, in the Western industry in the Americas that had Afro populations, you know? Uh, so I think just drawing parallels and researching and then, and then once you do that target, target face, target your, your sites on, on who you want to engage with and start, you know, luckily again with, with LinkedIn, with all these social media, you know, we're able to reach out directly and, and engage with these groups, you know, and they, they actually are very appreciative, you know, to, to be engaged by, by Americans, right? And, and again, you know, depending on what your goals are as an investor or as a cultural connoisseur, it's, you know, you, you, that, yeah, you're gonna find that you being earnest and you being original in your approach and you being really, um, diplomatic that that's going to go a long way mm. like that's going to yeah that's going to open up doors like way faster if you're trying to do business and it's going to help keep that investment sustainable because you're going to people are going to be people are going to want to support your investment and then if they know you are invested you know not just economically but as you mentioned culturally you know that, does this person know the language like you know you, you gotta you gotta put some time in get on get on your duolingo get on your different you know <laughs> language apps right mm -hmm. and then to so that that's going to come across as wow this person is really dedicated you know they long term they know like the history where where we've come from and they know in partnership right because this is all about partnerships it's not about you know you know the north america uh, the the global north always being the bad guy no there's a lot of value that can be added from from our our experiences as well um, especially, you know, we're talking about black equity from within the lens of the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's about you using those for, for good, using those for, for, for unselfish means and for the end goal should be 50 years down the road for these countries to be, you know, more sustainable, right? Which, which uh, I touched on early on for, 
for foreign assistance to no longer be a thing. But all these countries are are, are economically viable and then autonomous. You know, they don't need certain programs because no, they have they have a strong startup, they have a strong SME, they have a strong you know women women's uh, women empower women are empowered. You know, youth are empowered to all kind of work for for a brighter future for these markets. I, I thank you again, Vance, for stopping by, having this conversation uh, about the global South. The doors are open for you, your firm, to come back and continue this conversation. This is something that I am dedicated towards. I only recently found out about it, maybe a few years ago. And I've been working towards this point the last two to three years on our podcast to actually be prepared for this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of our content was uh, foundational at first, just about business itself and just meeting different people and marketing, whatever it may be, and just uh, giving them a little dose. But now I think it's time, especially with the world opening back up and the opportunities that are going to present present themselves. I think now more than ever, we should be paying attention, especially as Black Americans. We should be paying attention to the global South like never before. And for me, I just want to throw this in. It's not just Africa, right? I know as you know, you're listening to Black Equity, like, oh, I'm going, you know, we're going back to the motherland. And nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying don't do that. But it's also Latin America. Would you consider India as well? Global South? Or? Okay. Oh, yeah. In India is the global South. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the fastest growing economies uh, in the world. And so I just want us to expand our mind. Like there's a lot of opportunity out here. And then you, as the listener, you find where you want to go and what, you, what suits you best, where your skill sets are, and then you deploy that to the world. And uh, I'm really excited about this, uh, this conversation and, and where, where this takes us. And so wait, you, how do people connect with you or work with your firm? I want to make sure we get that on record as well. Sure. So, uh, you can reach out to in, info at globalsouthxsouth.com or vance at globalsouthxsouth.com. Um, you, can, you can reach us on, um, find us on LinkedIn, this Global South X South Consulting, and on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook as well. Thank you again, Vance. Thank you for being here on Black Equity. And the doors are open for you and your firm to come back and continue this conversation. And we'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you, brother DJ. Thank you for, um, for this platform and for the opportunity. Thank you. All glory to God. Amen. All right. Be well.